up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of VGM Generations. I'm Mike Posbon, and with me, as always, is Aaron Blauchuk. Oh, freaking ears. <laughs> and Jordan Belinsky. Howdy doody. And what that was right there was a makeup for the last <laughs> episode, because I had I was sick, and I had a very lackluster intro, so I had to wake everybody up on that one. So, sorry about that, but I'm, I'm back <laughs> to full strength now. Um, He's back, baby, in his final form. <laughs> that's right. Uh, for those that don't know, VGM stands for Video Game Music, and we are taking you through the generations. Basically, once a week, three friends with varied gaming backgrounds get together and take you through some of their favorite music from the games they love. And you got to remember... Yeah, not always. <laughs> yeah, not, that doesn't stand true today. Yeah, today, today, the, ga- the music they love, but maybe not the games. But um, And then... Uh, Stick around to the end of the episode for contest details, but we have last month's winner. And that man on Twitter is Vito Corleone. <laughs> Vito Guess Guessualdi? Guessualdi? I'm gonna say <laughs> That's it's a an fake Italian. Name. No, it's That's an Italian name, up. and I'm just terrible at pronouncing it, which is very shameful given my heritage. Guess Guessualdi, I think it is. Vito Guessualdi. So congratulations. Uh for reaching out to us on Twitter and you win your choice of Overcooked, Soma, uh, what was yours? Uh, Skullgirls? Skullgirls, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or or, uh, or a, t- a $10 eShop gift card to play something emulated from the uh, Nintendo eShop. If you have a 3Ds, 3DS? 3Ds. 3Ds or a uh, Wii U, the now Who defunct play, and yeah. extinct Wii U. Who plays that? <laughs> That's right. But uh, I yeah. play that. So uh, we'll reach out on Twitter, and uh, you can let us know which one you would like. But um, yeah, so that's the contest. So this month's topic is <laughs> bad games with good music. And and the reason we're doing this is <laughs> Jordan brought it up, which I thought was a perfect, perfect rationale for this topic now is... Uh, 2016 has been a bad year. <laughs> Not just for games, just in yeah. general. Just in general. Yeah. So, but there's been some bright spots. So that's that's why we have that's why we have this. this like, topic. You got to look for that silver lining. This is the silver yeah, lining yeah. topic. So yeah, shit games with uh, with good music. Music's so. a good way to get you through the bad year. So that's true. That's true. Though so good music doesn't always get you through a bad game. That's true. That yeah. is also true. <laughs> that's a good point. That's yeah. a good point. So uh, I'll go first, and uh, my game is Assassin's Creed 3. <laughs> yeah, so we talked about this one before, but uh, and the track is the main theme. Um, developed and published, obviously, by Ubisoft. Um, developed primarily by Ubisoft Montreal, but I saw when going through the wiki uh, last night that like basically every single Ubisoft studio uh, touched this game in some way, which may contribute to yeah. why it's such a broken mess. Too many cooks. Too many cooks, exactly. Uh, came out in... 2012 and the music is by Lauren Bailiff who uh, this is actually the first time um, that the soundtrack uh, wasn't composed by Jesper Kidd who's an, a really prolific um, composer and uh, did all the Ezio he did the first Assassin's Creed um, with what was his name uh, mm? the, the first the main character Altair Altair thank you yeah. Uh, yeah he did the first Assassin's Creed with Altair and he did the whole Ezio trilogy uh, Lauren Bailiff actually um, co-composed uh, Revelations, the third Ezio one, which may <laughs> may have been some foreshadowing because I, I <laughs> maybe, think Revelations maybe, Did he even think that maybe he just, he saw the series was going off the rails and he bailed or else the only reason that the series was good was because he was attached to it. Yeah, it was I the don't music know. that made it. Yeah. I like Revelations. Somehow. I just didn't like the um, the battle sequences where you had to <laughs> oh, set up the tower defense. Defense yeah. garbage. Oh, Terrible. Yeah. But that was, most of that was optional, right? You had to do the first one. You had to do the first one. taught you how to do it. But it and took then you forever never had to go to through that again. stupid tutorial. Yeah, it was like it two did. hours. Yeah. That actually killed me on that game. <laughs> I like I stopped playing after that tower defense. Really? I was like, this is so dumb. Yeah. And I just never got back to it. I think there was other better things to play at the time. Yeah. And I just never got back. I was happy to finish Revelations in the end. I think I should go back. And But yeah, anyway. I was not happy to finish Assassin's Creed 3. Exactly. Man, and I 100%ed that game. I got all the feathers and all the garbage. You, had to you got all the... It. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. man. I so did, you I did, really 100%ed I really 100%ed it. It. Like, I got all You're the collectibles. Man. I went through that entire game. And the thing is, is, despite doing all of that, I hated that game almost the entire time <laughs> I was playing it. Yeah. It's but only, only because of your completionist yeah, exactly. personality would you ever keep going. So, yeah. In my opinion, um, and in also Aaron's opinion, uh... <laughs> 
game is terrible compared to the Ezio trilogy, oh, I think, yeah. uh, especially compared to two uh, and even Brotherhood. It's just that game's giant piece of trash. Right. Ezio was so charming and he was a great character. Yeah, he was he fantastic. Was yeah. And um, th- what really surprised me, though, uh, when I was doing some research is this game actually got pretty good reviews. Like these all the reviews for this game were in like the eight fives. But I think what it was was it, it was exactly what sucked me into this game. It was the hype. There was a lot of hype around this game. When the reviewers played it, they still had all that hype on them. But I bet if all those reviewers who reviewed it went back like seven months later or whatever and had a look at their review and replayed the game, they'd be like, oh, no, yeah, this game, not that good. Not that good. And there were like there were elements where it should have been good. I mean, like I thought the whole American Revolution story and all that kind of stuff was interesting. It's an interesting idea. And the environment, like the trees and especially with the snowy, like when it would change seasons and stuff like that, like all all that was great stuff. And of course, Assassin's Creed 3 introduced us to the boat mechanic, which we saw in Black Flag. And that was the best part of the game. I did. Yeah, which is why Black Flag became a pirate game is what they say is that they took the thing that everybody liked the most and just made it the game. That's fine. It was such a throwaway thing in three that you didn't even have to do, and uh, and it turned it, it was the best part of the game and turned into its own standalone game that yeah. was awesome. And on top of that, I just want to mention, like I, even though I hundred percent of that game, I did all that boat stuff without realizing how you could upgrade your boat. Like oh really? You did it with the base boat? With the base boat, I did every <laughs> mission crazy. with just the base boat because I didn't realize how to upgrade my. Uh, that's funny (laughs) that's crazy that would have been so hard but that's that's that's, what made it fun well that's again that's that's Aaron gaming for you (laughs) but um yeah so the trailer I gotta say the trailer for this game is better than the entire game the the cinematic trailer for this game where uh George Washington is on the hill and uh I can't even remember what's the main characters Connor Connor Connor, like blasts across the field to kill the Templar Yeah, me either. Yeah. Uh, blast across the field to kill the Templar who's working with the British and stuff. The one of the coolest trailers. I watched that trailer ten thousand times. I was so hyped for this game <laughs> when it came out. I was coming off Assassin's Creed like you know two and Brotherhood Revelations. I kind of fizzled out on, but I was like, no, nah, they're going to bring it back with three. This trailer is too good. There's no way this game right. can be bad. I got to say that is yeah. the theme of Assassin's Creed though, is every trailer Amazing. is awesome yeah. and it's totally not based on actual gameplay. So I'm, I'm not at all. The, yeah. the Revelations trailer where is that oh, the one where... So cool. When he's sailing he goes, he sees Altair and his memories and stuff. Yeah, is that the one you're thinking yeah, of? Yeah, where they're going to throw him off off, yeah, uh, and, yeah, off the, the yeah, hang him. And so then, cool. Yeah, and the music's so good. It's got that Wood Kid t- track yeah. in there. Amazing, if, amazing. If they just released all of the Assassin's Creed trailers back to back instead of the new uh, Fastbender movie, that would probably. I'd, be I'd a rather go movie, see yeah. that. I'd rather go see that. Yeah. I just loop it like three times. Yeah, I'll watch it in theaters. <laughs> <laughs> I love those trailers. Totally. But um, so yeah, but the trailers totally got got me hyped for this game. And then uh, if you played it, um, you'll know that the so. To lead up to the track. So the first part of the game, you don't actually play as Connor. You play as his father, who it's revealed uh, early in the game. Spoiler alert, I guess, in case you haven't played it, um, uh, is a Templar. His father is actually a Templar. You don't know that until the you end of that whole sequence. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah, I think really, he, yeah. he gets a ring, right? He gets the Templar ring. Is that how you know it? Um, I can't remember exactly My how it's revealed. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure basically he's sitting down with a bunch of other Templars and they like hand them, and hand them the ring. His, yeah, he's, he's earned his earned ring his and then he puts it on and you're like, assassin. oh shit. Because yeah. the whole time you think it's, he's an assassin. And so he's sailing to the new world from England to go look for one of the pieces of Eden. And um, that whole part was awesome. Oh man. Like there's a part where you're in, the, in a theater and you have to assassinate a guy. It's so cool. It's I great. I loved that part. Yeah, the whole thing is awesome. Uh, he Like the guy is a total badass um, like, uh, the ship captain starts giving him a hard time and he basically just, he's like, I'll kill you right here. Like, I don't give a shit. Like, <laughs> he's like, then that means I don't have to pay for my journey. Like, it's so mm-hmm. cool. And then what happens is at the ed- end of that whole sequence where your play is him, you climb up the mast just as you're about to hit land, like to land in America for the first time. And that's when you get the opening, uh, like intro screen and you hear the this card, the title yeah. card. Yeah. And you hear this music. So, and right there, I thought this game was going to be great. And then. After after we listen to the track, I'll tell you how it went after that. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then spoiler know. alert. Yeah, you played this, right, Jordan? Yeah, this was the Assassin's Creed that pulled me out of the series. Yeah. I got into one in the two trilogy, played this one, and then right after, I guess the part you're going to talk about after yeah. the song. That's not where. That's not only where I stopped playing the game, but where I stopped playing the franchise. Assassin's Creed altogether. Yeah. yeah. So to this day, that's I still, how bad this game is. It killed it, a man on the franchise. Well, yeah. I, being even a big fan, like I played later ones. I played Unity, but I never played Black Flag. 
Yeah. Which is like the because one you were that is, from three. I was burned from three. Yeah. I, I own Black Flag on both the PS3 and the Wii U and the PC, I think. Yeah. But you got to play Black Flag I, this I, Christmas. I, and it's I so will. good. I want to play yeah. it, but it's it, that's exactly it is that I got so sort of burned out by that that I had had to stop. And I know that's probably the one that's like, it's the closest to what I would actually like. It's, it's yeah, absolutely. pirates and assassins. But you do have to upgrade your ship. So maybe, yeah. I don't know if you would <laughs> no, like it. No, I refuse. It's like the game no, I'm that playing. Game, that game's impossible if you don't upgrade your ship because oh, you get, you challenge. start doing these, <laughs> you start doing these boat missions and anyway. Whatever, you, that's a challenge Okay, I, I like the sound of the name, the base boat though, because it sounds like a cool boat that you could party on. So. <laughs> I don't know. I'm keeping the that base, base boat. boat. That's hilarious. You know, we're anyway. going to wub our way across the ocean. <laughs> But uh, let's listen to uh, the title theme from uh, Assassin's Creed 3. And then you get into the game um, and you start as Connor as a child and you have to like, there's, it's just so slow. Like it's so monotonous. Well, that's the thing is in two, you started as Ezio when he was young and you go around well, your various like family members and they teach you stuff. And yeah. that was such a great intro because it introduced you to all the family members and developed an attachment with them, which was really good. And they tried to replicate that in three, yeah. but it did not it work did terribly. Yeah. And there's like really emotional scenes and stuff. Like I won't spoil it just in case any of you actually want to go play this game after this, <laughs> but don't, <laughs> but uh, yeah, don't do it. But yeah, there's like a bunch of these emotional moments and stuff where you think like, man, like if they had built this up well, like this actually would have hit me hard, but... The only if, emotional moment I had was that I paid $60 yeah. for this game. Well, and that I was feel me bad too. for you. Yeah. And for me and for you. I feel bad for all of us. Yeah, but I pre-ordered this game. I have a bunch of pre-order swag from this <laughs> game. Like, oh, I was so stoked on this game. You went out and got the uh, the Connor tattoo on your chest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, but I have like a, I have this like Assassin's Creed. It's really cool, actually. It's like a, it's like a coin. 
like a collectible coin and it's got like George Washington's face on the back. That so what cool. I do is I just keep it flipped over. <laughs> so it's just the Assassin's Creed A. So then yeah. I just, it's just an Assassin's Creed coin. It's yeah. not a yeah. Assassin's Creed I guess 3 coin. But it's association better. with Assassin's Creed 3. I would try to spend that coin. I'd be like sticking it in vending machines <laughs> and trying to get rid of it. Flinging out my window <laughs> after playing the, playing like the first 20 minutes of this game. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I just couldn't, couldn't get into this one. And I can't believe how well it reviewed. Like how many people, they said like the amount of content um, was so good, like it was so great that like other games should like feel ashamed for charging sixty dollars. Like that was one of the comments I saw. And well, sure, there is a lot to do in it, yeah. I suppose. But like, if that stuff's not fun, what's the point? Yeah, and that's the thing is like, and like most Assassin's Creed games after sort of two and and Brotherhood is that it started to really suffer from bloat. And I think three was like the pinnacle of bloat. Yeah, like we talked about Revelations and its tower defense, and then this one had so much extra stuff to do, and some of it was fun. Yeah, but it's almost like they had they had a dozen teams working on this and each one contributed their thing to it right and that's and, and that yeah like like i said like looking at the wiki that may exactly have been what it was like yeah it's it's weird how many like and like weird like foreign ubisoft offices like ubisoft like germany or something worked on this game like all these different places and it's just like yeah it was felt like it was i think development was rushed mm-hmm. is part of it like they after, you know, after three didn't or after revelations didn't super well perform and didn't get super great reviews, they were like, okay, we're going to, we're going to change the franchise. We're going to have come in with a new, a new hero. Let's get it out there right away. Right. And I think Ubisoft has actually really turned around on that because they're, they've put the brakes on Assassin's Creed Good um, for them. Yeah. For, we haven't had an Assassin's Creed game in I think a couple years now. And then there's, there's rumor that at the next E3, so E3 2017, I guess we might hear about the next one. Yeah. And I think right now the rumor is Egypt. Well, the thing um, is, is that either they need to bring it back to sort of its core and like get rid of all the extra trim, like trim, trim all the fat, the fat yeah. and just focus on what made the series awesome in the first place, which is, you know, all the climbing and assassinating. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, the all, sorry, I lost my train of thought, but, uh, well, I, I, I was going to say I the just, other thing they could do would be to introduce a new mechanic like they did with four. Oh, that was the other thing is yeah. basically completely change the game. Like yeah. be an entirely be new, new thing. Yeah. yeah. That's just got the Assassin's Creed title on, which is exactly what four could have been, right? Mm-hmm. Assassin's Creed four could have been Ubisoft pirates and it should have been yeah. just <laughs> not put Assassin's Creed on anything. But like, I'm actually happy it was an Assassin's Creed game because I love the Assassin's Creed franchise and just having that like touchstone to be like, because if it was just Ubisoft Pirates, maybe I wouldn't have bought it. But because mm-hmm. it was an Assassin's Creed game and it got good reviews, I was in. And yeah. it was great. Like, I I, I cannot, as bad as 3 is, 4 is, all, <laughs> is like, it's in the other, on the other end of the spectrum. Like, 4 is great. Yeah. Ubisoft got me, too. Because like I mentioned, I, I own 4 on the Wii U. I own it on the PS3. I own it on the PC. Yeah. And I bought, um, um, what is it? The, the one that was on the Vita, I think it was. Oh yeah, the uh, yeah the Vita, which Source came. Vanel, what? Uh, li- I want to say Liberty City Stories, but I'm like, <laughs> no, that's a that's a Vice City game. Um, it was the female protagonist. Yeah, the female uh, protagonist. And it was set it was set in the colonial yep. American thing what? as well. I bought that one, and I was even it just bought Liberty. That- Liberty, Liberty? Yeah, Liberty, yeah, yeah. I think it was Liberty. I that, think. Sounds, that sounds right. I, Assassin's Creed Librarian. I know it started with an L or something like librarian? that. Librarian? The librarian. <laughs> the mo- Even worse than three. <laughs> and I bought the other one that uh, there was that like offshoot story that was kind of like uh, four as well. Oh, the, uh, the yeah, the it's about his, um, it's about his co-captain. Yeah. Uh, the, and he's like a slave. He's an ex-slave and he goes back and like, basically he just go kills all these like slave traders and yeah. stuff. Yeah. And I, I keep buying all these games yeah, and never great. playing them. The, that's the thing is maybe they're great. Maybe they're not. I just have them all. You got to go play. I don't know what just I'm going to play for. It's so well, good. Maybe I also got a little burned out because I played unity. Like I played three and I played all the way through unity and did everything on it. And yeah, I, you played I, the hell out of unity and I loved unity. Unity yeah. was actually really good. I just, played everything in unity except for the DLC. Hmm. Um, is the only thing I haven't played in unity, but yeah, I think they need to give fans a chance to miss it because it feels like yeah. it's like well, and that's what they did, where, right? They basically said like we're not going to do it. Yeah. We're not going to come back until we're we are a hundred percent like because it became one of those quote unquote annualizable franchises, oh, right? Yeah. Where it was and like every year you're going to get an Assassin's Creed, and I haven't jumped back into it because every game uh, looks the same to somebody that's not playing them. It it looks like the same game, yeah. Like, 
on a surface level, beyond a surface level, it feels like you're doing the same thing over and over again. And when I pulled out a three, I was seeing all my favorite things from two not returning into mm. three. So that's one of the reasons I pulled out. But I would love to get back into it. I just feel like now that they've stopped numbering them, I can't decipher between all the versions, like which is which, what's the newest, <laughs> what's the best, which, which one's broken, you know? Yeah. I just, I can't get back into it. Well, you, you get, tell me when you get back into Unity, because I will jump well, in I've and never, play multiplayer I've again I've never with played you. Unity. Yeah, so, so, so yeah, and then you I, jump, I jump back, back into, into it, and yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll play some multiplayer is, Unity. So yeah. Unity's the current game that's out. No. Syndicate is the Syndicate. most current, is the last one they did. So Syndicate is the one that's, uh, it's a brother and sister, and it's in London. It's in London during the, like, uh, Industrial Revolution. Okay. So I have that one. I played, like, the first half hour of it, and I haven't touched it since, but... Uh, uh, that one's supposed to be actually quite good as well, yeah, but so, um, suffers from like all the same bugs that every uh, yeah some weird bugs. But yeah. it's they patched it after release and stuff like that. But uh, like if if there's one to get back in on, you know what? I should just give you before we go away for Christmas. I should just give you four on PS3 because actually what I, actually what I have it on, and okay. you should just play four, and then you'd be like, all right, I'm back in. <laughs> I'd, I'd probably play it on on PlayStation because I, I yeah. have it on PC and I haven't touched it. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I only mention Unity because it's the multiplayer one. And it's fun to assassin together. Actually, yeah, I remember it's super yeah, great. Yeah. I remember seeing the trailers for that, and I wanted to play it. Yeah, so. yeah. The trailers again, like all Assassin's Creed trailers, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. But the Actually, multiplayer Blair component of that trailers. was really good, and it's just like even uh, in Back in Two and stuff like that. The multiplayer stuff was actually a lot of fun. Yeah, it was great. Where you had to stay hidden and blend in and do all that stuff. Super cool. Yeah, yeah super fun. So that's it. Uh, that's all I guess we have to say. <laughs> we kind of went into the whole franchise there, but uh, that's it for Assassin's Creed 3. So again, bad game, great opening thing. So so got me so pumped and so hopeful and then just totally let me down. <laughs> all right, Jordan, you want to go next? Yeah, all right. Um, so talk about bad games. Um, when it comes to, you know, our theme this month, it's kind of hard for me to kind of hard for me to think about um, anything other than these two specific composers and how their career was sort of developed from bad games or unknown games or games that were broken or, you know, canceled, stuff like that. Uh, I want to talk about the Fallen Brothers, Tim and Jeff Fallen. They've been in the industry for 20, 30 years now. They've been composing from the very beginning. And a lot of their stuff is like some of the most amazing music you've ever heard on a game you've never heard. So chances are you've never heard their music. <laughs> and it's unfortunate because I think they go right up there with, you know, Koji Kondo, David Wise, <laughs> some of the greatest. I just like the name The Fallen Brothers because it sounds like, you know, it's like they used to be great, but they've fallen from grace. Yeah, it sounds, like a, movie. Yeah. It sounds yeah. like a movie title. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. It, you know what? That, and it's kind of fitting too because uh, I think... Uh, Either they're both retired now or one retired. I think Tim's back out of retirement, but um, they've had they've had rocky careers mostly just because of the companies they've worked for. Um, Tim primarily has worked for Software Creations. Um, I believe both brothers did, and they even have a third brother, Mike, and he was a game developer. So it's kind of a family business for them. Um, a lot of the games they've done were, like I said, developed by software creations, but they spanned from publishers like LJN, which I think is fairly infamous for producing bad games. <laughs> yeah. So again, we'll that again, you know, you may not have played a lot of these games, but the first game I'm going to talk about is actually one of the better games that he was attached to. Um, actually, both of them, both Tim and Jeff uh, composed for this game. And that's Plock on Super Nintendo. And I know when I <laughs> yeah, mentioned a better this, bad game, a better bad game. That's Plock exclamation point. So it, you got to be excited. It, you know? it, it it's is. Plock. Super <laughs> exciting. And and I think you guys mentioned you'd never heard of this game. No. It's relatively unknown. Um, I wouldn't say it's bad, but I feel like it fits the theme this month just because um, nobody's heard of it. It's a mediocre game on a console that was known for some of the best platformers. And this is a platformer that's, like I said, it's mediocre, but the soundtrack for this game, I say, would rank right up there with uh, Super Metroid, Mega Man X. <gasps> it, it's that high, is pra high praise. It's, yes, high exactly. Praise. I'm. I would praise. put. I would put the soundtrack in like the top five, but the overall game itself, I think, would fall somewhere in like the bottom two thousand. <laughs> the, the bottom ninety hundred one hundred games. It's it's average. It has a really cool component though. The main character Plock. Um, he has these floating limbs. Like he has his arms and legs that aren't fully attached to his body. Like Vector Man. Well, well like Vector Man and, and Rayman. Yeah, it just reminds yeah. me of Vector Man and how like 
it was 3D was the gimmick on that. And it oh, was but it was so ugly, cool. Yeah. <laughs> it was ugly though. Oh yeah, cool, but it was but at ugly. the time though. I was yeah. like, my, that was mind blowing. <laughs> Uh, Plock, he, so he has these four floating limbs and they're his projectiles. So you can actually shoot up to okay. four, up to four times. And it's kind of a neat component because and then what they like suck back, they suck back. Okay. Some levels they don't suck back as quickly or there's a gimmick that, um, like water sort of level like, or something? sort of like holds onto your limbs. If you shoot certain things, so you have so to if be you careful. Shoot all your limbs and you're limbless. Do you just kind of like flop around yes. on the ground? You're, you're, <laughs> you're sort of like a, a stump that hobbles around. <laughs> so it's, yeah, kind of Raymond. Yeah, Raymond-y. it's a yeah. little bit like trickier. Rayman, Raymond, Raymond. Yeah, yeah. Rayman. Sorry, I always I, that's that's a long time mess up of mine. I like uh, that though. I'm gonna call him Raymond from now on. <laughs> but uh, so so the main storyline of Plock, like I said, it's a platformer. The titular character, his he's looking for his flag. His flag of his island was stolen. Um, so he goes level to level looking for his flag. Sounds about the same like <laughs> level of plot as uh, yeah. Donkey Kong looking that for his bananas. <laughs> bananas, yeah. It's it's Someone not stole all my bananas. It's a pretty weak plot. By the end of the first world, you reclaim your flag, and you realize while you were off trying to get your flag back that fleas infested your island, and then you got to go through and fight all the fleas, and <laughs> it's. I don't know. Fleas I, are the are the primary so, enemy. Yeah, somebody <laughs> let their kid write the plot to this game. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah, it sounds like a kid story. Yeah. It's like I said, it's average. I got I get bored with the game fairly fairly quick. Even though um, it looks great, it sounds great, but it just kind of plays in a very mediocre sort of way. Um, but talking about the music, um, like I said, one of the best soundtracks on the Super Nintendo. Um, this was an exclusive title. It uh, the game the game literally launches with one of the best songs ever, and the main character comes out playing a harmonica, and the song the song just like dives right into that. So the song starts. We got Plock. He pulls out a harmonica. He starts playing, and like the amount of instrumentation on this one on this one track is like it's unbelievable to me. Like I think I made a list here, and I don't know if I have everything covered, but we hear we hear a clapping, we hear an acoustic and an electric guitar, we hear a tambourine, uh, brass instruments, harmonica, like I said, um, probably a couple more. But literally, did you say th- this was the SNES? Super Nintendo, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah that's a so lot of instruments for us. They put in their own like FX chip in there just for all the <laughs> instrument samples. Well, yeah, maybe. And and another thing that Tim's pretty infamous for is he doesn't use any samples, so he creates these instruments himself. Um, so. All of that said, we should probably clap our hands and listen to the first song, the title theme from Plaque by the Fallen Brothers.
So Tim specifically, I'll, I'll probably end up talking more about Tim because he's the one that does most of the work on here. Um, he's heavily influenced by prog rock and a lot of the songs on this album specifically, you can hear influences of like Rush and well, Pink I like Floyd. This. I like this already. <laughs> um, there's some parts that remind me of The Doors. So, and, and that sort of goes into the rest of his library in other games. But this one is the one where I feel like he went with a more traditional sounding instrumentation versus some of his other games that sound a lot more synthy and electronic yeah, electric sounding. keyboards and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, one particular person by the name of Steve Ruddy who worked at software creations with Tim. Um, he was the guy that created all the sound chips. So uh, he was, um, he kind of went on record saying how impressed he was, um, with what Tim was able to do with the sound chips, like the amount of noises and sounds he could pull out of, you know, the channels he was given. Uh, and it's kind of neat. Cause I, I believe on some level, Tim was involved with the sound chips. Cause if you kind of go through uh, software creations and some of the games they've developed, they do have a kind of unique sound, but then again, they also have a lot of the same composers who know those sound chips well, almost like pushing them as far as they can. And uh, yeah, they understood how to use the tools to their fullest or extent. He's a witch. He's a witch. <laughs> Burn him. <laughs> so I did, you know, after, you know, mildly beating this game over the head, it's not a horrible game. I'd recommend playing it, but it's not, I, I've, I do feel it gets boring after a while and it's a little tedious. Um, there's a bit of humor every time you you uh, get to the end of the level when Pluck thinks he's retrieved his flag. Um, he raises the flag to find out that it's a pair of underwear or it's a scarf. <laughs> Sounds like an earthworm gym kind yeah, of humor. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of humor in here. Um, between levels, you know, when you're on the overworld map, he goes between levels and uh, he, set, he makes these goofy comments like, oh, I've been diddled again and, and things like that. And it's just, it's a little ridiculous. Why wasn't he the mascot for Super Nintendo? You know, screw that Mario guy. <laughs> Actually, uh, he's probably have, the mascot for, what was the developer? Uh, software creation. Yeah, it's probably and their, yeah, their mascot. trying to be, you know, uh, we should get a block sequel. Well, this was, <laughs> th this was in the era where you had, um, like what was it? Bubsy the cat and yeah. everybody was trying cool to make spot. their own. Yeah, everybody was trying to make their own Arrow, mascot, the right? Bad. Those, yeah. All of that, all yeah. of that Plock fits in there with those games. So you've played those games. You've played what Plock is, is yeah, capable of doing. Like, Just yeah. Plock has better music. Um, two quick last points. Um, Shigeru Miyamoto's played this game, and apparently, you know, he goes on record by saying that this game is is good. So <laughs> oh, there you go. So if he he's says a it's happy good, guy, he's... and I say it's bad, <laughs> it's probably an okay game. Um, and then back on point of this being the mascot for Software Creations, not officially, but this game was actually the first title that Software Creations developed that was um, self-funded. So before then, oh, okay. they were doing other licenses by other companies, um, other pr production companies, but um, this was initially going to be uh, an arcade game for some some hardware called the RAS board that Rare developed. I know nothing about this thing. Hmm. And I almost feel like it went under, but there were only three titles or three projects being developed for it. And th this game was originally called Flea Pit. And then it got um, somebody, I guess as they were developing it and coming up with the idea for Flea Pit, somebody recorded some VHS footage and showed it to the head of the company of Software Creations. And he ended up funding the project himself internally. And this became their first in-house oh, title. This was to be their big breakout. This was like to put them on the map as an original content creator. Well, and you can see why somebody <laughs> like Tim went, you know, balls to the wall on it. So that's yeah. funny. Yeah. So it's how did it go from flea? What was it? Flea pit. Flea, flea pit well, to plock. I, I know how it got from flea pit because that is a terrible, unmarketable name. Yeah, that's true. But <laughs> yeah. plock, plock's not much better. Yeah. Well, plock's just like a, a sound. It's a sound. Yeah, it's, it's automatopoeia kind yeah. of thing. But it's the the storyline is based around the fleas. So I guess the game was grounded on on the, the idea that there's fleas infesting your island and you have to defeat them. So somehow they brought that back and they probably used their head and realized, yeah, we got to market this a little better Could than have flea called it Flea Circus and that would have worked better. Anything would have been better <laughs> yeah, than Flea, flea Circus Yeah, Flea Circus would have been pretty good. <laughs> but uh, they ended up on Plock and now we got a mediocre, forgettable title on the Super Nintendo with an amazing soundtrack. With a wicked harmonica sample. That's Not right. a sample. Sound. Sound. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Aaron. Go ahead, buddy. All right. Uh, let me see. What am I talking about? I'm going back to the uh, NES days, I guess, for a composer and a company that we've discussed at length. All the way back to uh, Rare, again. And, of course, they're the longtime Rare composer, David Wise. Yeah. Oh, again. heard of him. And we love David Wise. But He's great. 
He composed a lot for a lot of different games, and not all of them were very good. <laughs> but one thing remains true is that his music's always his pretty music spot is on. always good. Yeah. And uh, the game I'm going to be talking about is back to 1989. This is Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and uh, it was published by LJN, which we, which Jordan mentioned. And LJN's shtick was they were sort of a division of of uh, acclaim, and they only existed so acclaim could circumvent the rules for how many pub- titles you could publish in a year. And there was a limit. There Nintendo was a limit. Set up a limit. Yeah, and, in order to control quality. And all the yeah. companies just said, ah, screw quality. Let's just make a second company and release all sorts of garbage. Every game had that seal of quality sticker yeah. on it too, so it didn't matter. <laughs> so LJN was basically a claims way to do all like their uh, their licensed titles. So you got a lot of Marvel stuff. You got a lot of wrestling games. You got weird things like Pictionary, but all sorts of stuff across the board. Pictionary, great. yeah. <laughs> Tim Fallon did the soundtrack for and, Pictionary. And it is Amazing. I think I think I saw that mentioned somewhere. Actually, you know that that <laughs> that could make my list later this month because because it's a horrible game with an amazing Tim Fallon soundtrack. <laughs> That's, That's great. I want, I want somebody to talk about Pictionary at some point. All right. But uh, so David Wise did the soundtrack to Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and uh, it is a great all around soundtrack. Though, and and the game is pretty widely regarded as being a terrible game. I, Jordan was telling me beforehand, I unfortunately haven't seen the episodes that the Angry Video Game Nerd actually has episodes. Not just one episode, but episodes yeah. about Who Framed Roger Rabbit. So bad that he had to go back and give it a second punishment. So, But it was one of those games that I had when I was a kid, and I loved the game. It was <laughs> it was so unusual. So naive. And it, yeah, well, it was so weird because it had this, like, vast map. It took place in, like, Los Angeles, and you play Eddie Valiant. If people don't know the plot of Who Framed Roger Rabbit, um, this guy gets murdered, and his this who basically was, like, was the it mayor of his Toontown. No, it wasn't his brother. His brother okay. got murdered a long time ago. But okay. what happens is the Marvin Acme, oh, yes. who owns like Acme, which is like all the stuff that Wile E. Coyote uses, all Looney this like Tunes, cartoon yeah. Looney, Looney Tunes stuff. And he's kind of like the unofficial mayor of Toontown. He gets murdered. And so they hire, and his will goes missing. So nobody knows what's going to happen with Toontown. So Eddie Valiant, who's this washed up detective, has to go and find the will and see what, like, and also clear Roger Rabbit, who is this cartoon character who's been framed for the murder. So you you play as Eddie Valiant, and Roger Rabbit kind of follows you around everywhere you go. And what's great about this is he's a cartoon character, so nothing really damages him. You can die, you can fall into pits, you can, you know, get run over by cars and whatever, but Roger Rabbit can't really die. So... He's great because this is a frustrating game to take your frustrations out on him. So you can punch him in the head and his head kind of like rocks back and forth from the force of the punch. And if you could also Benny the cab is like this uh, anthropomorphic cab that you can get in and drive around in the city. And if you're pissed off at Roger, you can like get in there and you can like run over Roger. Actually, not you can't run over him because he gets in the cab with you. But if you lure him onto the street because he follows you, so he's like right behind you and standing in the middle of the street, cars will pass by and they'll just run oh, over him. You're and evil. It's very you, cathartic. You've obviously yeah. done this on purpose. You, you have to do it on purpose because Roger is such a pain in the Does ass it, in that game and the game is frustrating. Just and like in a cartoon, the movie, right? It doesn't hurt him. It doesn't sound like you found that out by accident. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And uh, it, it's, it's really fun too because uh, you get chased by the weasels, and the weasels are kind of like the like the police squad, this yeah, sort of like brute the, squad, the henchmen, almost. henchmen that, yeah. that, that are always after you. And uh, in the game, you're walking around; and it's playing this great David Wise soundtrack. And every time the weasels start to chase you, which just happens randomly, um, the music will get faster. So it'll play a faster version of the music, and the weasels will start chasing you either in a car if you're in Benny, or on foot if you're walking around. But if uh, you're walking around and they spawn on foot and you get in Benny, then you can just run them over back and forth. And they're cartoons too, so they'll pop back up. But it's very fun just to like, because the cab kind of bumps over them and you see them <laughs> flattened out on the road. They'll tire, pop back do up. Do they have like the tire marks? It's, it doesn't have that kind of fidelity for oh, okay. like the tire marks. <laughs> I guess it's, it's an, an NES, NES game, game. That's true. <laughs> but there's a lot going on in this game as you explore the world and you're trying to find the will and all that kind of stuff. And one thing that uh, uh, the AVG and... and uh, he actually brings up is in the game, there's a point where you visit the ink and paint club, which is this like, you know, nightclub that all the tunes go to. And it's where Jessica rabbit performs Roger rabbit's wife. And if you don't know who Jessica rabbit is, she's like this impossibly voluptuous, sexy woman in her sparkly red dress who sings at the ink and paint club. And when you're there, she tells you to like search around. She gives you hints and clues. And if you search a certain table in the club, you get a phone number. 
And it's an actual phone number. What you would do is you would actually call that number in real life and you get a pre-recorded message from Jessica Rabbit. And I believe it was actually the voice of Jessica Rabbit from the movie giving oh, wow. you a hint for the game, which was a great idea at the time. But of course, <laughs> that was 1989. Yeah. So and you had you, to actually think, okay, I need to call this number. Yes. Which I don't know if a lot of people did. It was a one eight hundred number. Yeah, it's it, one of those right? things yeah. like yeah. you're thinking outside of the game, and you don't think outside of the game. You think I gotta find a phone in the game and call this number, right? Yeah. But no, this was an actual real number. And of course, after the years went by and nobody played Roger Rabbit anymore, the number went defunct. Like it went back into the database and was picked up by a sex phone operator. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if it is still a sex phone line right now, but uh, you feel free to look it up online and give it a call and see what happens, yeah. kids. You know, that's <laughs> it, my recommendation to you. It was as of a few years ago. So yeah. I think so. it would be fun between episodes to find that number and call it and just, just to find out. Now, if <laughs> we should. It, it was funny because I wonder if even the sex line, if they knew anything about that number, like they're trying to capitalize well, it on it's kind of funny right. that it's like this Jessica Rabbit thing, and right? Jessica Who's Rabbit. pretty like overtly sexy for a yeah. cartoon character and then it ends up being a sex hotline like yeah, it's pretty yeah. funny it's like the Jessica Rabbit <laughs> sex hotline I feel like hotline. they knew I feel like it was some kid who played this line and like grew up to be, to yeah. operate like a <laughs> sex phone and he was like I'm getting that number <laughs> <laughs> maybe I wouldn't be surprised because like you said it's like now it's the Jessica Rabbit sex phone yeah exactly guys. exactly <laughs> anyway back to the music yeah so what track did you my pick? track is called Mountains and Valleys I believe and it's when you, there are several parts of the game. One, when you're like in LA, walking around the city, you can also drive to Toontown and you can go outside of town and walk around like through these caves and snakes chase you and all sorts of fun stuff like that. So it's when you're outside of the town when it's playing mountains and valleys. And I specifically picked the faster version. So when you're being chased. The weasel? The weasel version. Okay. And I think it's because, and listening to the songs, it almost feels like the faster version is the real version. And the oh, okay. slower version, and then they, slowed, they it down slowed it down to make the normal, to make the okay. normal version. It, that's what it feels like to me, because yeah. the faster version feels like the way the song is it almost should Meant to be. be. Yeah. Right? So this is Mountains and Valleys, Faster, by David Wise.
Yeah, that's what I exactly what I was just gonna say. Yeah. Like, slow down. This would be almost painful. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I think you're right. I think uh, this is. The, I think they slowed down the original composition because this sounds normal speed. It does sound normal speed, and that's yeah. the way it is. I never really thought that the slower one sounded weird. It just doesn't sound as good as this one, which sounds like the real one. And the great thing about the whole soundtrack is like it had this very jazzy kind of feel to it because yeah. uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit takes place in. I'd like the fifties, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's an got, older time for sure. Yeah. It's an older time. So it's almost got that kind of vibe with the music and everything too. And I think David Wise did a great job on that. Yeah. Not surprising. Yeah. Cause it's kind of that gangster yeah. era. So like right out of the prohibition and stuff yeah. and the trench coats and hats. And yeah. And even with the limited sort of abilities of the NES, it still comes across. Yeah. That was the thing I was, that was one of the questions I want to ask you because I forgot that uh, on your description of it, it sounds like an SNES game, mm-hmm. but like in NES, is it like, are, is the fidelity there to like kind of, or is it, was it mostly your child's imagination that was <laughs> filling in the gaps? Do you no, think? no, there was a lot of cool stuff in there. Like when you run over the weasels and they're flat on the road and Benny even like bumps, it's not like you just run over them straight. Like even like raises Does up a little to bump, bump over okay. them and stuff like that. And it had great sound effects and there was a lot going on because you travel building to building. There's like people to talk to, there's things to search. And one, one thing I wanted to mention that I forgot to mention is that when the weasels are chasing you, and they catch you, it's not death. It's not instant death. What happens is they ask you a joke. Oh, okay. And you have to know the answer to the joke oh, yeah. to get away from them. Do you have to like them. type it in with a keyboard? Or? No, it basically it's kind of like multiple choice, right? Okay. So, you know, it gives you, you remember that. any and of the jokes? And there's a timer. Oh, I wish I did. Okay. I could look it up online, <laughs> some of the jokes. Yeah. But there's a timer that counts down, so you have to get to the answer really quick. And, you know, okay. sometimes it's really close, so you you may not know what the answer is. If you played it a million times like I have, you do. But it's just funny because if you get the answer right, the weasels laugh and you escape, which yeah. is true to the movie too, because there's this whole thing about- That's how um, he kills them, That's right? how he kills them because yeah, yeah like the, the weasels are always like laughing at him and the boss of the weasels is like, don't stop laughing. Like, don't yeah. start laughing. Yeah. You'll laugh yourself to death. And, and in the end, die, that's yeah. how they're killed is they laugh themselves to death. Oh, that, that, that whole, <laughs> Such a weird way to the die. The whole ending of that movie creeped me out as a kid because <laughs> it started with cartoons dying, which is- not something that should be possible. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. then everything with Judge Doom just gave me nightmares. Well, Judge Doom is one of the scariest mo- characters in cinema. Christopher Lloyd is a like brilliant, brilliant well, especially, role. Especially <laughs> yeah. when he reveals to be himself a tune yeah. and his voice changes. Yeah, and his, his eyeballs. <laughs> For an old, yeah. old movie. Yeah. His eyeballs are all red and googly. But as an animator, I am in love with that movie. It was insane at the time because. It features Disney characters and Warner Brothers characters side by side. Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny appear in the same shot. You get characters like Betty Boop and like Popeye and like it's it's crazy. Stuff that never happened again or or before. Yeah. In fact, there's a in the Ink and Paint Club that I mentioned, there's a scene where Daffy Duck and Donald Duck play a duet on the piano. Now, is it is it it's been a long, long, long time since I've seen that movie. But is it like is it? the correct version of the character or is it like you know it's Daffy and Donald but it's not quite oh, right. No, it's no, them. this is actually oh, really? Daffy oh, wow. and that, actually that's Donald. This is, these aren't knockoff versions yeah, of Yeah, that's characters. what I meant, yeah. Yeah, this is, these are actually the characters and it was awesome to see the collaboration and to see like 2D animation done so well alongside live action because they had to draw these into the frames, right? Yeah. So you've got a live action characters interacting with cartoons and like the, the stars of the cartoon world. This is, Crazy. as an animator, this is like one of the best movies ever. There's, there's <laughs> a scene where they were falling in the sky and um, it's the first time you see Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny and they're together and they actually do call each other by name. So you know Bugs and Mickey. it's <laughs> absolutely the official Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny hanging out, falling through the sky, skydiving Man, together. Man, how, how did they get how did permission? They that? <laughs> you know, it almost feels like you can say that would never happen today, but yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe it could happen today. Just It was awesome because it was actually based on a novel. Originally. Oh, okay. So maybe that's how they got it. Like it was like those novel rights were still yeah. <laughs> still valid or something. So it was based on a novel them. and they managed to actually get them to. And the weird thing with Roger Rabbit is like 2D animation had really kind of fallen off the time. It wasn't really a big thing at the time. And I think it Roger Rabbit was actually responsible for helping to revitalize 2D animation in a, in, in a way. So one thing I don't think you mentioned, what makes this game a bad game? 
Because like everything you're talking about, it sounds like it's a great game. <laughs> sounds great. And that's just, that's me. That's nostalgia. It is an impossibly hard game, first oh, of all. okay. So to it's find, got Silver Surfer Syndrome. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it, to find all four pieces of the will and bring them together and to then defeat Judge Doom at the end. Because what you have to do is, I can't remember if there's, if there's like, there's a lot of specific things you have to do. Even to get to Toontown, you have to like find the dynamite and blow up this wall and get to Toontown and then, oh, and then search this huge world. And it really is huge where, you're, like I said, you're walking out of the mountains, exploring these like random little caves and you have to have a flashlight and you have to have like special shoes. And so you have to find all these special items to find these four sections of the will that are really hard to find. And if I'm not mistaken, randomly placed. I oh, wow. So crazy. I, I don't know. They may be in the same place every time, but they always felt random to me as a kid. And I had <laughs> well, the, you like, probably played it enough. You would know. Yeah. And I had the one I had the issue of Nintendo Power that had like the map for the, the whole world the map, and yeah. stuff and the hints in the map. And that was like the only thing that allowed me to get as far as I did in that game was that issue of Nintendo Power. And I actually in my life, I did get to Judge Doom at the very end of the game twice. Did you beat him? No. Well, I be- beat him the first time. Thing is, you have to fight him twice. Oh, okay. And then also after after beating him, this uh, this fire truck full of dip and dip is the substance that destroys tunes starts like firing at Jessica and Roger who are tied up and it's like starting to raise up and you have to like run off of this platform and you have to get to this other one. You have to stop the thing from like spraying it. And there's like this sequence of events you have to do at the end that is almost impossible to do. And I got there twice and got pretty far, but still couldn't make it couldn't make it that last little bit to do all these things in that specific amount of time to finish the game it's one of those uh, scenarios that you would never do it's like a mega man level you'd never beat it on your first t- try you almost have to play it and lose a couple times to understand how the level works which is a killer because basically you got to play the whole game to like get yeah. there yeah and i, I need to play it with save states as the like would yeah. be the only way to it, do it today it does have a password system and yeah. i think i probably have a book even with old passwords written down <laughs> probably in it, but i even on my phone i bet if i looked on the notes on my phone i've got a note called roger rabbit passwords <laughs> <laughs> that's funny but, all right well, uh, so that's it for our games, and uh, now we ask Aaron, what have you been playing? Oh, it's my turn to do it's what have turn. I been playing. Yep. Okay. Well, um, I have been playing a game that I waited a little bit for till it went on sale on Steam. Oh, yeah. And it was one I was a huge fan of the first one in the series, and I'm, I guess I can't say series, because first of all, the game I'm talking about is uh, Tomb Raider. Yeah, the newest one, New Laura Croft, which is Rise. Now, Rise of the Tomb Raider. I couldn't even remember the subtitle for a second. Because <laughs> yeah, the first one was just it was Tomb just, Raider. just Tomb Raider. And and it was the reboot Rise of the of franchise, the and I can't really call that Rise. one the first one in the series because Tomb Raider has been around for bloody ever, right? Yeah. So this uh, is the revitalization. This is the revitalization, which is great. It's basically yeah, they, fantastic. They looked at Uncharted and they said we can do that, and it looks great and it plays awesome. I mean, the story certainly doesn't hit the heights that Uncharted does. Like it's it feels weak. Every character except Lara herself is like a throwaway character. Yeah, they're totally so, hollow. Yeah. Like yeah, you don't know anything about them. Yeah, exactly. They're so one dimensional is the perfect way. They're like cardboard cutouts, these yeah. guys. But Lara herself is great. Like I like the voice for her and uh, the game mechanics Laura are a lot of Bailey, fun. Laura Bailey, I think it is, is the is voice it? actor. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. That That's probably why all the other actors in the game keep calling her Laura instead of Lara. Oh, yeah. okay. Because everybody says Laura. And, and it, it, I don't know, it bugs, crazy. Me. It bugs yeah. me that they're calling her Laura Croft. Yeah, it might be. But, uh, and I, I mean, I, I had not that long ago played Uncharted 4, and I have to say, like, hands down, the combat mechanics are way better in the Uncharted series. Yeah. They're a little rough in Tomb Raider and frustrating. The thing is, they'll do these big set pieces like Uncharted where they place, like, here's explosives and ammo and, and cool distraction items and places to duck behind all around the world, and you use none of that. Like, uh-huh. you basically kind of walk in at the entrance to that thing, t- take out people as fast as you humanly po- as you possibly can, yep. you run around, shoot everybody with a shotgun, or you try and just take them out from that one spot with a bow, and then you walk into this big area, and it's like, oh, look at all this stuff they gave me to potentially use. But the mechanics aren't quite slick enough to do it, where I think Uncharted was great. It, like, made you use the environment, and you wanted to, like, duck and dodge and hide and all that kind of stuff, but... Yeah, that's the that's kind of the difference between the games, right? They're yeah. kind of two sides of the same coin, but the um, Uncharted is like the story focused, is mm-hmm. the gameplay stuff, and then uh, with um, Laura Croft, it's the it's the 
collection items and yeah. uh, and upgrading your weapons and, and stuff like that. They do a great job. It's more open world than that. It, it's not as yeah. linear, and you can like yeah, travel. Definitely. You can travel back. Like every fireplace, every campsite is like a a warp point where you can travel back to all the previous places you've been. Yep. And the best part of the game is when you're actually raiding tombs. They have all these optional tombs that are hidden in the world, and it'll tell you like, oh, an optional tomb is somewhere nearby in the world, and then you go searching for it and. The game has like awesome set pieces. It's absolutely beautiful to look at. And and in the first game, they barely had any tombs. If I remember playing through it, you spent most of the game climbing and going through towers and mountains. That was fun, but there wasn't really any tombs or anything. They had some, and, and oh, it was yeah, the same some, mechanic some. where it was like they were hit, they were like nearby. You'd get yeah. a nearby. And you get like notice. one or two per area, essentially. And I don't think this one's like it's not like a vast improvement where there's like a ton more of them. But that is still the best part of the game. I'm not playing it to see the story or see where it goes next. I'm playing it to raid those tombs because yeah. I'm happiest when I'm actually the tomb raider. Well, and it, <laughs> it's a beautiful game, so it's nice to explore and do all of that too. And there's a, yeah, it's very good looking. It's yeah. pretty rewarding because I, I I remember again I haven't played this one but I played the one before it. Um, there's there, there's a fun element to taking chances and, and risking your life to do stuff. And of course, if you die, there's that really cool death animation. Oh, that's one thing that Tomb Raider does great is yeah. the death animations are just brutal. It's like yeah. you fall in a spike pit. It is not cutting away at the last uh, second. It reminds me of like uh, the first time I played Limbo when your little boy <laughs> gets his head thrown off and yeah. blood everywhere. And it's oh, like, wow. Jesus. Tomb Raider oh. is on top of that. And, and you, you, you know, you like Lara. She's a, she's a, Fun character. But boy, does she scream but when she dies. does she, yeah. Like, I, <laughs> well, watching her bounce weird. off of rocks and be impaled by spikes and get mauled by bears and stuff. Is well, I wonder what they did to the voice actress if they put her in, like, a padded <laughs> suit and, like, put a microphone on her and threw her into the wall or something. Yeah. She did a good they, job. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They actually, I remember them talking about, like, uh, in the first one, like people commenting like the it was almost like torture porn like like it was <laughs> well, so over the top right like some of the them are like like a spike comes like through the back of her head and through her mouth and you're like Jesus. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I actually, I remember like I played that game super careful to like not see like after that one, I was like, all right, I can't handle any more of these. <laughs> that's like, good, that's good. Just, yeah. It's if, it affected, if it affected you in that way, then you're more tied to the characters. So yeah, that's, that's true. That's it's great. True. Totally. And it, you know, being more careful, I think that's a better way to play the game. Cause if you know, like most modern games, death doesn't set you back very far. Like yeah, it's, yeah, this yeah. is no dark souls. This yeah, is you die no and you're back to the last checkpoint. Yeah. It's no Roger rabbit. You, you die and you're back to the last checkpoint, which was like a minute ago. Right. So to give you incentive not to die, it depends who you are, like incentive not to die because you don't want to see Lara die so horribly or incentive to die because you want to see all these <laughs> ridiculously grisly animations that yeah, they put yeah. in there. Depending on what type of person you are. Exactly. <laughs> And uh, the game, like, even though I was kind of saying about the mechanics, not as polished and refined, is that it's one of the best games for bow mechanics. Yeah, I totally. really love using the bow in that game. And I will forego all, like, my weapons keep getting upgraded. I get more and more powerful stuff, explosives, whatever. I've got my stupid first bow that I've got there. <laughs> and I'm hiding behind things. And, like, hunting mechanic is cool. You're like... I'm shooting at squirrels and th- and things. And didn't you say like in classic? We were talking about this the other day, but in classic Balauchuk fashion, no upgrades to the bow. No, well, bow? it's it's base it's the base bow. The, it's like you've got boat? you've got yeah. the compound bow, you've got the dragon bow, you've yeah. got like all these super bows. It's like no, no this is the bow that I like fashioned Shitty, when like, I first got on the island. Piece of dental floss. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's it. No, I will upgrade that bow though. I will give it like you can enhance that bow, but I'm oh, not okay. I'm not give trading up aim for stuff. a better bow. Yeah, I always liked the bow because it felt. When you're using the bow, it felt more like you're using a bow in real life versus when you're using a gun, mm. where it doesn't feel like you're firing a gun in real life. It feels like you're just playing a video game. Yeah, totally. the whole like, the whole like mechanic of like how you draw it and you can only yeah. hold it so long and stuff like that. Like it feels yeah. legit, yeah. and and you feel stealthier too because it's not a noisy weapon. And I'm sure like most games, if you draw if you kill somebody with a bow, you're not drawing a big crowd. And that's exactly it. Is I like to play those games in a stealthy way. And <laughs> yeah. the thing is about that game: as soon as one person sees you, they all see you. Yeah. Like immediately, even if your boot is sticking out, it's like, oh, there she is. And everybody converges on you. And even on that, if like you kill a guy and somebody comes across his body, it's like, let's spread out and search. And by spread out and search, they mean immediately home in on where you're hiding. Yeah. Which is weird <laughs> because in Uncharted, I remember it's like they find a dead body and they look, but they look like real people. They kind of spread out and they search behind things and they go in natural thing. But this one is like, 
their game their game yeah. brains are on and they know exactly where <laughs> you would see it's like, through walls yeah exactly and they, they, they don't become, see you. it's yeah, like exactly they say let's spread out and search but then i see them all walking <laughs> towards the bush that the one bush yeah. that i'm in and like that doesn't even they make all any turn sense. into blue turtle shells and come after you. <laughs> yeah but the uh, but i lo- do love the stealth because when you're looking at people you have like sort of a you know a heightened vision version that you can kind of see and you can see which guys can see each other mm-hmm. and you can see if somebody gets separated and nobody can see him so that way, that's when, you know, you pull out the bow, you pop up for a second, you target his head, yeah. you take that guy down, he falls, and then you're like back into stealth and you know nobody witnessed him. So you can distract a guy, you can lure him off to the side. Can and you then, like drag bodies and stuff? No, there's no body dragging. Oh, okay. You can rig bodies to explode. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. So like after you kill someone, you can like put a grenade yeah, on them or something? Yeah, corpse, yeah. Oh, okay. Essentially make it uh, <laughs> Jeez, uh, that's, a, a booby it's trap. It's a grisly game. <laughs> it is a grisly game in the sense, like not just with Lara dying, but also... Like she is a stone cold murderer. Like yeah. it is. That like, was actually some another uh, criticism of the first game. I remember because like the first time you kill someone in the first game, like she has this really like emotional, emotional reaction, reaction yeah. right? And then uh, and then you go on to kill like twenty thousand more yeah. people. And that's just no a, reaction. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing is they set her up as this vulnerable person, right? It's like she's in over her head. Yeah. She shouldn't be out here doing this. Like killing people in the cutscenes, she's super like you know, killing a person's a big deal. But then you get all these like finishers. It's like, you've got the, like the ice ax finisher where you're like, stab it into the top of a guy's head and like yank him forward. <laughs> and it's like, holy shit, Laura, like <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> like, Calm down. Like she is. Yeah. She's in, a stone cold killer. She, yeah. She's an insane murderous psychopath essentially. Yeah. But you know, it's, that's just part of the game. That's how she is. She's fine. Yeah. <laughs> that's why we love her. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm having a good time. All right. Well, perfect. So that's a good note to end on. So uh, now it's uh, contest time. So um, I guess Laura Croft would be the game to add. Now, how much did you pay for it? Though? Now, here's the thing is I waited. I waited a long time on this one to get it in a sale. Okay. And I bought the complete collection and I paid, uh, I think, about 25 bucks for okay. it. So let's Steam, so. so let's say if you want Laura Croft, this is how this, <laughs> how this one's going to work. Because we're cheap. Ladies and gents. Uh, <laughs> If you want Laura Croft, what we'll do is we'll wait for the winter sale, which is fast approaching. Well, and that'll, should, that'll be when the contest ends anyway. And that, yeah, that should coincide with the time that the contest ends. So uh, if you want Laura Croft, we'll buy you the normal edition not on the, sale. Not the super <laughs> 20 year anniversary edition that I got that has all the DLC. Yeah. So we'll buy you the normal edition. If you want the DLC, you can go buy it. But <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how this one's going to work for the contest. So and uh, to enter that contest, same as always, uh, hop on Twitter and retweet any one of the three tweets that come out for the podcast. So we have our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google play, and, um, you can retweet any one of those three tweets or, uh, for a bonus entry, give us a comment on SoundCloud or a review on iTunes. I keep retweeting and I haven't won yet. Yeah. Well, whatever, man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like your retweet. My the own best. Tomb Raider. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You have to buy your own Tomb Raider. Uh, but yeah, so Tomb Raider is added during the winter sale. <laughs> um, if, if you want that one, cause so. it will absolutely be on sale once. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's, and, uh, but yeah, so that's it for this episode, episode one or part one. God, every time this is like, <laughs> this is a long running joke now. Episode 11, you episode think, 11 we're on to. Yeah. Yeah. You think after almost a year, after almost a year <laughs> I could get it straight, but yeah, part one of episode 11, uh, the, uh, I, I, I should have titled this, but this is what I'm going to call it. But, uh, we got to bring back the term that we brought back from, uh, the last one. Yeah. Kosuge. Kosuge. This is the Kosuge episodes. Kosuge <laughs> month. <laughs> yeah. Cause this is Kosuge month. So, uh, that's it for this one and we'll see you for the next one.
to it. Yeah, All right, so we're going to call the Jessica Rabbit now sex line, and we'll see what <laughs> happens. <laughs> All right, phone's on speaker. We all know she's not really bad. She's I'm, just I'm, drawn that way. Yeah, that's right. I, I just... Oh, I'll see. I think it's just going to be nothing, but... We would like your opinion in a quick three-question survey. Oh, oh it's yeah, a yeah. survey yeah. line. Select callers will receive a free Caribbean cruise <laughs> for helping us. What? Let's begin. <laughs> if you are 21 years or older, press 1. If you are under 21... Press two. Should I do let's over do it. Yeah, under? yeah, let's do it. Okay. Well, is Mike over 21? Yes. If you would like to take a vacation in the next six months, <laughs> press one. If not, press two. Nah, I'm kind of vacationed out, man. No, I'm doing one. I if want to vacation. enjoy vacations with the whole family, This is hilarious. This isn't a sex romantic line. getaways, Oh, romantic, yeah. Yeah. You and Jessica Rabbit. ideal vacation, is getting the best deal important in making your selection? Press one for yes <laughs> and two for no. I thought it was three short questions. Yeah, yeah they, they said three. You. This guy's a, a liar. For completing our survey, you've earned a free Caribbean cruise for two. <laughs> <laughs> for nominal court fees of $65 per person. Yeah. Enjoy your vacation. To accept your cruise, please press one now. <laughs> no, I'm not doing this. Yeah, we're, 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 we're we're that. <laughs> That's hilarious. So now it's a cruise. Sorry, sex line. It's now a vacation <laughs> it's a scam. Vacation yeah. scam line. Yeah. All right. Well, there we go. Answer that question. <laughs>